you need to do some vocal warm-ups. Well, what are they? Well, just think of just think of something that you'd like to say, like um, Peter Piper picked a pepper. <laughs> <laughs> a tutor who tooted the flute tried to tutor two tutors to toot. <laughs> <laughs> the tutor who's two oh, there's there is yeah I can't remember the full one. Yeah, I'm just going to turn you down. <laughs> <laughs> Unplug. <laughs> Here we go then, chaps. Episode yeah, I, two. Are you recording? I am, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, are you going to butt in throughout the episode or just at the start? I will shut up. <laughs> episode two then. We made it. It's been a roller coaster since episode one, hasn't it? Yeah. Since the release. Yeah, getting stopped in the street and things like that. It's been relentless. <laughs> How have you found it, Father? Really good. I mean, there's just been some really lovely feedback. I really like that people sort of... Um, have just bought into having a listen and just actually thinking for themselves about the, I mean this is not for us it's it's kind of for everyone else to try and have a little go and find a connection with nature and uh, keep the positivity mm. going you listen to your voice back for the first time Rob what did you reckon it's not it's not like it is in your head, is it? No. No. And no, it was horrendous, to be honest. Mm. We were listening to it on the speaker, blasting it in our yeah, in one of our rooms in the first time round, and it was yeah, it was chilling. It's a shock first time <laughs> round. Yeah. But we had some pretty good reviews. You had some good reviews from friends that you shared it with. I did, yeah. No, I had a few like loads of my mates messaged me. So I had some saying that they were gonna get into gardening for the first time. I had others saying that they don't really listen to podcasts but they enjoyed this one so no overwhelmingly positive mm, yeah absolutely um did you spot anything naturey that you need to ask father about in the last few weeks or i did so i and it relates to the homework really in that i was sitting in my spot and i saw a beetle which was something i'd never seen before in that it was like scarlet red and um, I took a photo because I obviously wasn't able to identify it, but I knew you would be able to. Yeah, love it. Oh, gorgeous colour. Yeah, bright, bright sort of like almost coal burning red, like an ember. That's a ladybird. But, um, yeah. No, that's actually <laughs> called a cardinal beetle and uh, relatively common. Uh, the beetles are a massive, massive uh, group of insects of which there's sort of so many. Um good to have a guidebook on insects to get to know them completely a lot of them haven't even got what you'd call common names um but no that's a that's a good one um i had some good beetles this morning on my walk had lesser stag beetle which is another exciting one they've often got interesting lifestyles as well so some of the stag beetles they will um they lay their eggs in rotting wood and the grubs can take years and years and years before they'll hatch out into the actual sort of beetle form and then they will just live for a short while while they find a mate mate and continue that cycle so do you think the lesser stag beetle has an inferiority complex slightly definitely is there, is there a greater when, yes and when you see that the, i mean i don't know if you've even seen stag beetles because they're, they're getting quite rare i think they'll probably come back because People have learnt the wisdom, the conservation societies have learnt the wisdom of having a nice lot of rotting wood in a nature reserve. So back in the day when they used to clear everything up, it wasn't so good for those sort of beetles. But now um, they recognise them. You know, you often see these massive old dead trees on farms and they're actually, um, you know, advised to keep them for wildlife. So... So maybe they'll get a bit more common again, but they're, they're quite, stag beetles, have, as their name would suggest, have got huge antlers like a stag deer, and um, they use them as a sort of power of strength when they're tussling over the rights to a female. 
Mm. Actually, that leads me on to something I wanted to ask you about. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> I'll get to it straight away. Um, <laughs> dragonflies. Yeah. At least I think they were dragonflies. I saw a lot of them around uh, Rachel's pond and one of them would be on top of the other and it was putting its tail into the other one's head. Yes. What was that? That's how they mate. Oh, interesting. That's how they mate and um, it's they can stay in tandem like that for literally hours and hours and hours. So dragonflies and damselflies, loads of them around at the moment, really interesting. The quickest way to tell the difference is when a dragonfly lands, it has its uh, wings still out crossways, uh, like a like a cross. Uh, damselflies, when they land, they tend to have their wings folded back. Uh, both mate same way. Um, they both will lay the fertilised eggs uh, in water. Uh, often, so I think I saw. Sorry, I think I saw them doing that then. So, yeah. so. They would put it through the head. Oh, no, maybe I didn't see them do that. That would be a very quick gestation process. And then the other one's tail would curl yeah, back around. Yes. That's not that. It's then, all part it? of the mating. Mm. Um, but when it, no, they when they come to lay eggs, there's, there's several methods. Some of them will literally delicately lay them on the stems of reeds and things just underwater. Some of them actually fly over the water and they'll just gently donk their abdomens on the water and lay them that way but they then turn they have a different metamorphosis uh from some insects and they will stay as a nymph as it's known quite a carnivorous beast and they can be a nymph underwater for up to four years depending on the species and then it will uh crawl up a stem or a lily something like that it will literally break out of its outer skeleton and then puff its wings up with fluid, and so continues the cycle. So. I don't want to spend the whole episode talking about it. So, but when, so it's injecting into a hole near the head. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's um, unorthodox. Yeah, it's, isn't it? it is very unorthodox. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Um, you know, it's depends who you ask. A, a lot of na- Yes. <laughs> a, a, a lot of things in nature, they their reproductive systems are. You know, quite abstract, quite quite strange. When you get um, things like slugs and snails, uh, they are both male and female. They're hermaphrodites. And so they literally fire capsules of sperm into each other's bodies. And uh, after doing quite a sort of dance, as it, if you can imagine that, um, so far from straightforward, quite elaborate, um, quite beautiful in its way, and uh, obviously geared to maximum survival, because yeah. that's what it's all about. Well, life's certainly changed in the last couple of weeks, hasn't it, Rob? I mean, don't let anyone tell you that podcasting doesn't bring in the big bucks, because we released our first episode, and you went and bought a new car, didn't you? It's true. Ferrari? It's Lambo? It, it, it's a Vauxhall Corsa. But still. Still. After one episode. 11 years old, fiercely practical, <laughs> and just under 60,000 miles on the clock. So thank you to everyone that's listening. Yeah. Um, did you want to say anything more about your homework from last week and all of the listener homework as well that we received pictures and comments and we're very grateful for them? Um, lovely spots that you guys found. The homework was, of course, to find, to go for a walk and find a nice spot in nature that you liked for whatever reason and try and find it a couple of times and see how you felt each time. Did you want to elaborate any more on that now in reference to where your spot was or what you mm-hmm. sort of felt? Yeah, no, for sure. So as soon as you'd set the homework, I had a place in mind. So there's a field at the end of our road and in the corner of that field, there's a, a public footway, really, which goes through. It's sort of like a nature reserve, I suppose. It's just full of greenery. There's a stream that runs past it. There's a couple of ponds. And before you, as you're sort of going through this nature reserve, it then breaks out into really just rural land of what well, it looks like farmers' fields. There's sort of cattle in it and there's hedgerows and it's lovely. Um, but before it breaks out to that farmland, there's a fallen log um which Liv and I have sat on before and you can just you can 
peer between the, I think they're oak trees, out onto the farmland and onto the cattle and everything. And it's just so peaceful. Like you're, it's, you're quite deep into, it feels like you're very deep into um, the countryside. Like in reality, you're not really, but it, that you don't ever see, I've never come across someone else there. There's no noise pollution really, like from the roads or anything. But it's, it is noisy with birds and with, um, with nature. And so... We'd been there a couple of times before you'd set the homework and I knew exactly that that would be the the spot we'd go to. And so, yeah, I've been there four or five times um, over the course of the last couple of weeks. Been there at different times of day to see what changes and try and, um, yeah, to see if there's any, you know, what, what differences there are. And yeah, I feel like it has become a spot now that I'll go to, to just sit quietly. And I think the first time I went there, I was quite keen to observe my surroundings so I was you know I was trying to clock which plants and which trees were where and how like tall they were and at what point of bloom they were so as I would come back over the next few times I'd see if there'd been any progression and um, so I've been doing that but the biggest takeaway for me is just that every time I go to that log I do just want to close my eyes and just listen and it's I can't detect any of the birds I don't know bird song or anything like that but it is just so peaceful and yeah like I say Liv and I went before work one day this week um got up early and went and it was lovely really nice start to the day and the biggest takeaway I've had from it the first time I went there it was a Friday after work and I was like obviously finished work for the week I put my my headphones in and I was like I'll go to this spot and crack on with the homework and um so yeah, marched there, like to our point last week, like what type of walker are you? Marched there, music blaring in my ears, got to the spot, put my my um, headphones away, was there for maybe 20 minutes, like I say, taking in the surroundings and closing my eyes. But when it was time for me to, when I was going to go back home, the last thing I wanted to do was put my headphones back in. Really? Like, I just yeah. did not want to listen to music. The way I walked back was much slower. Like my whole... The, everything about my like cadence was just mm. with it was just slower it yeah. was yeah it was a pe- it, like I say it, was, it just felt very peaceful and since and like I say that was the first time I went and since then it's been the same since like I haven't even I'm not don't take my headphones there anymore because I oh, know that yeah. I'm not going to want to listen to music and you're tuning into something slightly different yeah it, absolutely and um yeah and it'll be I think we'll go well, we'll go as, as often as we can, I think. Like, it's, it's definitely something we'll do again before work. It was a nice way to start the day. It's interesting because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big music fan as well. And, uh, but I don't... When I'm in nature, um, I, d- I don't feel the, the, the need for music so much. I think, really, because nature is very, very rarely quiet. There's so often things to listen to, um, which actually is kind of the homework for after this podcast which we'll get on to at the end of the episode yeah, yeah so we'll 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 come back to that one um but yeah certainly um I, I completely get what you're saying about sort of it's just that i call it being tuned in which is what this is all about in a funny sort of way that the whole nature connection thing um is to just try and tune into your surroundings uh for your own sort of benefit if that makes sense you know because you just do feel calmer you feel sort of um slightly more i guess satisfied with what you're surrounded yeah. by and it, that can be um park bench in the middle of a city or it might be that you just walk uh through a town where there's some nice gardens you know it doesn't need to be in the thick of the countryside uh because there still will be nature yeah yeah it's funny like i did a couple of years ago I was going to meditation um I was going to meditation classes on a weekly basis Jasper joined me for one of them actually I did was, yeah. yeah it was an experience <laughs> it certainly was yeah it was good it was good fun and um but that I never really fully got into it like I tried to apply it and I was getting some benefit from it but certainly wasn't taking as much from it as others in the group were but going back to that spot almost it felt meditative and it like slipped back into that you know I was just focusing on my breathing and yeah it's it, it did make me feel very calm mm. yeah. good how often do you do those for the meditation mm. 
I did them probably for three or four months on a weekly basis. Did the guy remember you by the end or not? No. The, so the same guy, the organiser, every week I went would say, is this your first time? And I'd say, yeah. No. He didn't say it to me on my first time, though. No, he didn't. Interesting. No. Yeah. No. Well, was it your first time? Um, yeah, exactly. It might not have been. Um, well, I just want to have a quick shout out to Liv as well you mentioned there because she did our brilliant podcast art which has gone down very well yeah um, brilliant with all of our listeners fans do we call them fans <laughs> I think they're just friends aren't they yeah friends and family basically <laughs> um, but she did a brilliant job and you can check out her stuff on Instagram she does loads of great greeting cards at Liv Groves illustration If you'd like to be part of the Father Nature tribe, follow us on our social media accounts. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Father Nature HQ. You can also email us directly. Our address is FatherNatureHQ at gmail.com. Now, what are we actually going to talk about today then, Father Nature? We haven't even moved on to today's topic, which no. is... <clears throat> the summer solstice. The summer solstice. Okay, mm-hmm. so we'll break it down into, over the next half an hour or so, what it is why it's important and how we can actually celebrate it. Let's start with when it is first then. Okay, so it's usually around about the 21st of June. Um, there's slight variations on it um, because of it's, it's a planetary event, essentially. So if you just think to yourself, well, we, we, um, we have two solstices a year. Um, solstice meaning sun standing still and that is when you get the longest day of the year daylight rise and then in the winter you get the shortest day of the year or the longest night whichever way you want to put it and in between them we have the equinoxes which as their name implies is where you get an equal amount of night and day and for me it's I, I think they're they're amazing things in that they are detectable now obviously these days um astronomers are able to sort of look at planets very closely they can look at alignments they can look at movements and orientations and they can predict and measure exactly when a solstice or an equinox is taking place but what i think is just incredible is that if you go back in time ancient cultures was able to do the same and that shows to me that the, the the very essence of how connected to nature our sort of forefathers were because frankly i mean i i think i'm sort of fairly well tuned with the countryside but i wouldn't be able to tell you if we didn't have calendars etc i would not be able to tell you when midsummer was i would have a stab at uh midwinter um why is that different because, why are you more in tune with winter? Well, I'll tell you why, actually. And, uh, is it because you wake up and you're like, it's just so cold today, it must be midwinter? No, it's not temperature, it's birdsong. Mm. Now, uh, just, just as a, a slight aside, but it's an interesting one, a lot of our wild animals, birds and mammals, uh, they demonstrate something called photoperiodism. Wow. And that means that their breeding cycles are affected by daylight length. And as such, they are so well in tuned with nature that when we get past the winter solstice, within literally two or three days, you hear a huge increase in the level of birdsong. Because they are able to detect it and it affects their hormones and starts driving sort of testosterone in the males and they will start to become territorial and start to sing. And if you're a bit of a geek like me, you can pick up on that. Uh, Let's say, you know, I used to do a fair bit of shepherding. When you get past sort of uh, the sort of autumn... um, Things like sheep and uh, fallow deer, they respond to that hormonally as well and they start to come into season. So the the bucks will come into testosterone and the um, does come into estrus and they too will start to mate. 
So is that rutting season? That's rutting season. So, yeah, that's something which sort of in sort of late September, October um, is pertinent to certainly fallow deer. Um, slightly confused because some of our other deer, like muntjacs, don't do that, and nor do roe. But um, but that that's how it is. So that's how important it is for nature and how in tune it is for nature and let's just assume that sort of mankind was maybe is or certainly should be part of nature um that's why i think it's really important to acknowledge um these uh solstices and equinoxes and and as i say just the sheer fascination of the fact that you know you look at places like stonehenge and you think to yourself what was it, 4,000 BC? And that was built with the most incredible accuracy. So that. So what's that in terms of that? Because that relates to the solstices? Absolutely. So on summer solstice morning, mm. when the sun rises, uh, assuming it's not a horrible cloudy day, uh, when the sun rises, the sunbeam first thing at dawn will come straight through the, the two main stones and go straight through to the other side of the circle. And only on that day of the year? Yes. Wow. And it's just a mystery how they would have known that. Well, exactly. Because they had yeah. no, presumably they had no way of actually measuring it. Well, it's certainly pre any form of clock and probably any form of calendar because we're going back to a time when, you know, literally the whole planet uh, probably had no type of uh, writing so things would have been stored by word of mouth, um, probably what you might call by habit. But even so, you know, just the fact that there's 365 days in the year, I mean, were they keeping count? Mm. It, it's just a, a, the most fascinating topic, I think. And I, I certainly don't know the answers myself, but I think it's so fascinating that it's worth everyone sort of looking into it a bit more and just acknowledging it because it it is true you know it's, and when it comes to you know midsummer uh and a lot of people for the midwinter because the, the sun's in a similar alignment um you will get celebrations at some of the old sacred sites like stonehenge have you ever seen it for yourself on not to Stonehenge, no. I mean, they'll get, you know, a few thousand people mm. there. Um, <clears throat> I've often done sunrise things uh, which are part and party of a, a bird watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's great to go somewhere sort of where you're going to get a, a view out east to get the sun coming up. And um, just to acknowledge that, you know, it's, it's, it's quite easy to get dawn when you're in the winter time, when sort of you know it can be seven o'clock in the morning, but to get sunrise when it's nearer to half past four is it, it takes a feat, which is why to celebrate um, uh, midsummer or the summer solstice, mostly in days gone by, revelers would party the night before but stay up all night because it's it's not really even a very long night. If you only got to stay up till four, half four in the evening, it's just like you guys going clubbing, isn't it? Well, it's more like you watching the horror films whenever I've come <laughs> round here. <laughs> sticking oh. a film on at midnight on a Tuesday. <laughs> Have you seen anything like it? <laughs> so we've established it's the 21st of June then, this year. Just in simple terms, what actually is it? It's literally the longest day of the year because of the orientation of the earth with the sun and uh so dawn comes earlier and dusk comes later essentially so after that time the the daylight starts to actually drop in literally by only a few minutes a week because also a lot of people see it as the start of summer yes um Good, I'm glad we cleared that up then. It's, uh, it's, I don't necessarily see it as the start of summer. Right. Um, but you see, I, I see probably spring starts a lot earlier than it does. For me, spring starts around about February. And um, 
because that's when nature really starts moving um you know by the time you've got to what some of us think of as spring when you've got the young mammals up and the birds are really nesting stuff like that actually we're moving quite into the later stages of spring there spring for me is when they first start mapping out these territories and you know life gets going you've got all the bulbs which are underground which again respond to lord knows what to start then growing you know the snowdrops, loads of the woodland plants that need to be up get their stuff done before the leaves come out on the trees they're very early in the year and so i tend to think of spring as a bit earlier i think the calling it the start of summer is quite nice though isn't it because it feels quite late doesn't it we've had probably a few weeks of summer to to say the start of summer late june is quite nice but to then say the winter solstice on like the 21st of december is the start of winter is shattering (laughs) yes and you've had so many weeks of like short days cold days like yeah i definitely prefer calling the summer solstice the start of summer i think the other maybe source of not confusion or contention but is that a lot of people associate the seasons specifically with weather as opposed to day length right and that's quite a crucial factor because actually whether you get i mean you do get variations is very true but spring and spring things will always happen in spring whether it's foul weather or whether it's fine and the same, you can have a long, rainy summer or a blistering hot summer. Uh, nature still has to do the same things. It will still be rearing young. It'll be uh, getting ready for migration. Uh, you know, uh, plants will be going to seed and forming fruits. Uh, so all the same things happen. But I think humans tend to see it as, you know, we we move into autumn very often with wonderful summer weather as we think of it very sunny hot longish days and uh but i tend to look at it more from myself uh from what stages things are at with uh with the natural history life cycles really so nature's very much abiding by a pattern then very much Um, and for example the mating happens at the same time every year is there any such argument that would suggest that humans should mate at a certain time of the year not really no um i think with humans um we we've sort of evolved as we're one of the most caring uh or the the most complex carers uh, of of all the sort of mammal kingdom, so a, a, a little human baby when it's born is one of the help, most helpless mammals on earth, and it remains so for several years, and that gives us generally good survival rates against all odds because we are very much uh, pack creatures. We're we're very much sort of tribal orientated. And childcare is such that actually compared to most things, the the loss of young is, is very small and it gives you the ability to breed year round. Well, it's an interesting point because, for example, other animals, they when they're born, they pretty much are born, you know, for example, like an elephant comes out pretty much charging, doesn't it? Like it it's, finds its feet almost straight away and is walking. Yes. A lot of animals are like that. And it's yet, mating by the evening. Yeah, it's going again. But it's it's very quick in compared to very much so, yeah. humans who need, you know, a lot of care yeah. to develop. In general terms, the more care lavished, the higher the survival rate. And that equates also to the the less offspring you have. So things that have a large brood expect uh to lose quite a few to predation you know not adapting to climate or just starvation whatever it might be so for example a brood of blue tits which might have a dozen eggs you would only expect one or two of them to survive whereas if perhaps you had 
birds of prey, which tend to lay a lot less, uh, maybe two to three eggs, you would expect in a normal year for them all to reach maturity. Uh, they obviously won't necessarily breed, uh, uh, survive to breeding age, because otherwise, you know, we'd be smothered with them. But uh, yeah, that's the, that would be your rule of thumb. Our podcast is the perfect start as you seek a deeper connection with the natural world. But why not take it one step further? If you're liking what you're hearing from Father Nature, why not book a day with our resident nature expert, Johnny Taylor? Whether it's one-to-one, group sessions, or a corporate day to enhance your staff's well-being, we have all elements of nature connection covered. Guided walks, firelighting, foraging, bushcraft are just some examples of what we offer. We will tailor the day to suit your needs. Just email us at fathernaturehq at gmail.com or send us a message on our social media accounts at fathernaturehq to let us know you're interested and we'll get straight back in touch. Okay, we've gone off on a slight tangent, which I think is my fault. Um, Let's get back to the the summer solstice then. And Rob, is this anything that you have consciously celebrated before yeah so so once really um so a few years ago Liv and I were invited to an organized event um on Hyde Park didn't really know much about it before we went it was one of Liv's old colleagues that had invited us and yeah it turned out to be a summer solstice party but it was a huge like Swedish celebration there's hundreds and hundreds of Swedish people there and me and Liv. Um, <laughs> you must but, have stuck out like this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was just a huge celebration. Like, they had what I know now to be like a maypole erected, which they sort of dance around. Loads of people had flowers in their hair. And it was just like a party, really. Like, there was people playing games. Um, everyone really was... It was like everyone was having a picnic. Everyone was drinking. And it was just like... It was just a good time. And so I think that was the first time I was aware that it was culturally significant in you know in various places and um i think having looked at it a bit since it it makes sense if the scandinavian countries have long and dark winters if it is seen to be the start of summer then yeah you can see why people celebrate it so this is very much a celebration then for a lot of people i i think all of the um festivals are seen as a celebration because it, it is the, the sort of wheel of time um, and nearly all the cultures that have grown up around this they they don't tend to see it as sort of like even the the, sort of the winter one uh, it's it's not like a, a sort of negative thing where oh my god it's going to be awful weather it's this that and the other it's actually so for example the winter solstice is also about sort of we're starting to get lighter days and so that's something to look forward to we're starting to look forward in the farming year which of course a lot of the celebrate uh, a lot of the um celebrations were quite uh sort of agricultural in in essence a lot involve corn dollies and all sorts of things uh to celebrate crops and uh, a lot of them were about sort of banishing spirits from that might be detrimental to crops um whether it's sort of uh, arable, livestock, fruit, whatever it might be, so um, it doesn't. So it differs between cultures, presumably the celebration, but it doesn't yes. seem to be a huge celebration in England. No, I think a, a lot of parts of the um, Northern Hemisphere have had a lot of their celebrations kind of either muted or slightly changed. Um, so. We we bring up the sort of thorny old thing. The, there's all the things that you shouldn't talk about in the pub, which was like politics, religion, and was it money? I can't remember. But um, they're ba- basically uh, a lot of things that become celebrated by an awful lot of people tend to be associated with slightly a, a religious context or perhaps almost a cult type uh, context. Whereas, actually, I think they were much more to do with community, if you go back in the past. But, of course, a lot of them were aligned with um, faith. And, you know, it it goes back to a time sort of when sort of 
possibly so so much was known but so little understood about things like uh, seasons and such like and you know when when life depended so much on things like crop survival wild animal abundance whatever it might be good weather you would choose to try to sort of um, worship something like that to encourage so I guess my interest um, would be not so much to align any of this with a particular faith, but to recognise that a lot of different faiths acknowledge those same dates. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, so it does. over time, for instance, um, let's just say Midsummer Day, post-Christian times became the feast of st david it's known in wiccan terms as letha um but so you know if i put my cards on the table because i I was thinking about this in the run-up to the podcast and thinking well spirituality does come into it and uh you know i'm i'm a bit difficult to pigeonhole in that department it's a bit like my taste in music it's quite eclectic if a little disturbing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I sort of I, I kind of think to myself, well, from a spiritual point of view, where am I? And I think, well, I really enjoy the challenge of the Buddhist discipline. Um, I feel really comfortable with pagan celebrations. Uh, I've got a great fondness for nature based faith like Wiccan. And uh, I probably feel most spiritually aligned with animistic shamanism. And uh, so there's quite a broad sheet there. I mean, that's virtually like saying, well, I follow my own path. But all of those things... I mean, you're a leader now. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. I'm just a learner. And uh, and it's just what makes you feel good. If you've got to kind of feel it. I mean, if it makes sense to you to celebrate certain periods of the year that you know are undeniably happening. You know, it's the scientists are the ones who will say, they will tell you when midsummer is, the astronomers. Now, if you're into astronomy, you know, it's an absolute undeniable fact. That's science. Then you can kind of move into, let's say, astrology. Now, you know, you might or might not believe in astrology, but astrology is linked intimately with the movements of sun moon earth etc and then you find actually let's talk to naturalists especially in the hemispheres where you get seasons and they will tell you also that um, life cycles are hugely linked with these movements of the planet and the seasons so for me it all becomes quite undeniable when you move into the more sort of spiritual side of things then you know we're right back to square one there because you can't prove or disprove and it it doesn't bother me you know i i love the fact that people from all different faiths will acknowledge seasons and and the movement of the sun uh i'm not i'm not going out to tell anyone they're right wrong or indifferent it's it's fine so that's that's my take on it and that's why I think it's important for everyone to get back into celebrating it. It's it's a grounder for me, something that will really sort of help sort of it's all undeniable. It will happen. It's all these things give you know, as they say, whatever happens in the world, the sun will come up the next morning. And it will also the seasons will happen. So when you celebrated it, Rob, let's just talk a little bit about how it made you feel, why it's important for people to go out and at least acknowledge this is happening on the 21st of June this year. The party you had, presumably it was a good one. It was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and how did you, did you, was there any sort of direct influence from what you were celebrating once you knew what it was or was it just that you really like maypole dancing (laughs) it was i think um it comes back to john's point about community in that there were so many 
Swedish people there that clearly didn't know each other, or at least, you know, for the most part. It was such a huge event, but it was... I think everyone had their own everyone had their own picnic and quite often people would be cooking their own foods or sort of brought their own foods but it would be everyone was sharing with each other and it was just a real celebration and it was like a coming together and it's sort of I feel like the reason why people were there in some ways it was almost irrelevant and it was just a coming together and it was a celebration and I'm sure that half the people there like me didn't really know what we were celebrating or why we were there but it was just a good get together and I think um yeah, it was just a good day. I totally agree with that. And I, I think, you know, any excuse for a party and you think, <laughs> as you've mentioned, that the Nordic people are, are, are probably a little bit more earthy than than the Brits, I guess. But, you know, I, just thinking about how we celebrate it, it depends where you go in history, really, because the these sort of equinoxes and um solstices they're they're hugely celebrated by the nordic people celts druids romans anglo-saxons christians and they've all put their own slant on how to do it and so and the the thing you picked up on rob which i always find fascinating about any of these celebrations is they are nearly all feasts Mm. And it brings me on to something I think is a really, really important um, uh, thing to recognise when we're thinking about seasonality that affects us all. And that's that modern day life has kind of shifted us into this area where we don't need to be seasonal. And it's quite closely linked with, say, food. So one of the things that sort of when you're thinking sort of in terms of how to be a bit green is obviously avoiding air miles and there's nowhere where this is more apparent than out of season food so at one time and it wasn't even that long ago we all ate seasonally whether it was wild foods whether it was crops or whether it was farmed animals whether it was wild animals they would be eaten seasonally so you could say their air miles was zilch so you could say actually the carbon footprint on hunting them growing them gleaning them back in time was also nothing and so it was a very healthy balance we've now got to a stage where you know you can have strawberries raspberries asparagus runner beans whatever you like year round uh and that's kind of great from a culinary point of view but I think it comes with quite a, a, an expensive sort of um, debt that we we build and uh, I think that's one of the other lockdowns that we spoke about you know the lack of air traffic and the lack of um, sort of freight coming in by these super tankers and such like we did see a a real downswing in pollution and you start to question it actually well we should be looking maybe more at eating locally which will be seasonally yeah and i think when i so i've since looked into why summer solstice is celebrated and how it's celebrated in sweden and um the food element of it is is a huge part of the day and it is all seasonal food. Mm. I mean, I didn't eat any of it. But it's, oh, um, it's a shame. It would yeah. have been good. It's all like pickled stuff, though. Yeah, like because would, this is the, and, and this is where cultures started to really cope. I mean, if you imagine sort of very primitive life in this country, so you're talking post-Ice Age, it would have been difficult to live. You know, it was a harsh environment. So, incredibly, in order to adapt, we learnt to preserve. And so pickling, drying, curing, smoking, all that sort of thing, that's what helped um, humanity sort of prosper and thrive in in those environments. So, yeah, pickled goods uh, are amazing. Smoked meats and smoked foods, uh, things like beans, which preserve really well, they dry and uh so teas things like that sort of you know stimulating drinks so what i'm getting from this then is that it's very much to do with your connection to not even just the earth but to 
to everything really just nature in general in terms of connecting to the earth with the food that you're eating and making sure yes. it's seasonal and that you're eating it at the right times and when the earth is telling you to eat this food because it grows at that time and celebrating something which is dictated by the sun and the sun's impact on the earth so it's all about building that connection and celebrating it yeah. with a big party yeah in a nutshell that is it it's it's one thing is very connected to the other and you know i, I use that word connected uh purposely because you know with this whole sort of father nature podcasting is about nature connection and you know food is a massive part of it you know we we love our food and uh and you know we love our food from all around the world and i'd be the last person to want to um turn that clock back but i think as a mainstay there's some some big environmental things that we can learn about eating seasonally uh supporting sort of organic growers and such like in this country who let's face it although they might have polytunnels and glass houses this that and the other they can only produce seasonally you know there's are there any foods that you would only eat this time of year only this time of year only uh, in the season well yeah i mean i i mentioned asparagus mm-hmm. um that's sort of that's one of these things that if you get winter asparagus it will come from literally the other side of the earth um i'm not a fan of things like imported um foods uh, sorry meats from around the world i think you know new zealand lamb as tasty as it might be i don't think we should be importing something from the other side of the earth you know we can get perfectly good organically reared beautiful lamb in this country and also we we have of course got methods of preservation now which we didn't have before i mean that although you know you can be a bit sniffy about frozen foods that is the ideal way to preserve food for future use um you know that it's it's done pretty well these days i've I've seen quite a few nutritional programs that have said it might not be the best way to present and to sort of um you know produce a culinary feast but your frozen peas are going to be nutritiously as sound as your fresh ones so yeah i i would say like all these things it i it doesn't need ruling with a, a rod. It, it just needs sort of tempting into trying it out, seeing what, what is available seasonally, sort of just relishing that freshness and, uh, and feeling smug about the lack of, you know, uh, air miles. If you're enjoying the Father Nature podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you do three simple things for us. Leave us a nice review, recommend us to a friend and hit the subscribe button. All three things really help us to reach more people. So that's review, recommend, subscribe. Thank you. Okay, let's end this episode by talking about how people might be able to celebrate the solstice on the 21st of June. However you decide to celebrate, obviously do it within the COVID rules. Rob, do you have any plans as to how you might celebrate it? Obviously, you've only learnt about it in the last half an hour or so, but <laughs> has it given you any ideas? Yeah, I mean, I think just listening to that, I think to def- try and eat a meal that is comprised of only seasonal That's a good idea. ingredients is yeah. definitely something we'll try and do. Like, we're not eating meat at the moment anyway, so it should be fairly easy for us to find a recipe that uses veg that's in season now. Um, so that's something I'll definitely take away. And do you have any plans, Dad, of how you're going to celebrate it this year? Traditionally, I like to just try and do a walk. And actually, I'd because it's such a beautiful time of year, um, I tend to do an evening walk for that. And uh, my my usual thing is just to do a walk up on our local heath because it also coincides with the time of year when we have the lovely night jars calling and they're quite a spectacular bird and they're they're quite mystical and I just like to sort of you know get a few friends together and literally do a nice walk and you know 
we have in the past exchanged foods just people bring along some bits and pieces that they've baked and uh you know we'll raise raise a toast to midsummer and just have a good old sort of chat and talk about sort of how wonderful it is to be in nature um it's a time of great abundance at this time of year, midsummer. So it sort of there should be a feel-good factor to everything. If you look around you, sort of now, the foliage is just spectacular at the moment, and uh, you know there's, there's beautiful emerald colours everywhere, and there's flowers everywhere. There's bird songs still going on. There's loads of evidence of sort of uh, breeding birds and breeding mammals. So it's, you know, what's not to love on a mid- midsummer night's evening? Um, so you can keep it simple. I mean, the purists would would say, as I, I think I mentioned earlier, you do your celebration the night before. It will very often involve fire. It will very often involve... In a safe way. In a safe way, yes, safe fire <laughs> and resolutions. Nearly all of the festivals uh, have some form of resolution towards them, a bit like the Father Nature homework job. Um, so you, as you just mentioned, Rob, you might think, well, I'm going to resolve to have an in-season meal, which, you know, what's not to love about it is just that's fab. You know, that's what you can do. You could look at something that is very, very seasonal and think to yourself, wow, how short is that season? You might be looking at, we mentioned damselflies and dragonflies, and you think they're going to fly around for a a week or two and then all die. And that follows years underwater as a nymph. And you think, what a cycle of life that is. Amazing. And you're there to witness it. I think what I might do is try and experience both the sunrise and the sunset on that day. Mm-hmm. And I think that'd be a nice way to re-recognize the length of the day, to experience the start of it and the end of it. And of course, it's all linked to the sun so much that that feels like the right way to, to try and celebrate it. Before we get to the homework then, do you have any other tips for how people might celebrate it or did you pretty much well, sum it all up actually i'm quite glad you said what you did because if you are able to bear getting up at dawn and then going to to back to bed sort of like after dusk at nightfall then in essence you've recreated what the vast majority of our wild birds do every day it's a huge length of day and during that day they'll be feeding to support themselves they will also be feeding a a clutch of young and that's their working day which is a pretty incredible working day to do that energy involved must be incredible makes the nine to five seem short doesn't it it makes nine to five seem very short and also i mean you know what i'm like i'm a bit sort of try and make the most of sort of all my waking hours you think to yourself, actually, if you do get up really late and go to bed really early, you're missing quite a big chunk of life. Um, in the winter time, thank goodness, we were able to extend our day. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you get the opposite there and you get this incredible wonder how so many of our creatures survive such long, sort of frigid nights because it will be dark by half past four and uh, it will remain dark until probably half past seven so should we try that rob should we live like wild birds on monday you up for that i'm up for dragonflies if you (laughs) are let's get on to father nature's homework for this episode then what have you got for us right so wonderfully people have found their 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 zone when they where they feel comfortable and thank you for doing that that's that's really fantastic of you and i'm glad you've sort of bought into this little experiment and if you haven't managed to at this point then you've still got plenty of time oh there's 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 all the time it it can start anywhere you know as we if we've been acknowledging this podcast right the way through everything is in motion all the time nature's 24 7 so there's no start or finish time but um just developing this this issue of connection so when you visit next to your area, and you've already touched on this, Rob, quite heavily, 
I wanted to to start introducing the idea of the different senses. So when we sort of go into a slightly meditative state, uh, we become sort of what they call present, which means that you're proper living in the now. And sort of, let's just say it's easier for most people to do it very visually because you could just sit there and you you start letting nature happen around you and you're watching what's going on. And that's fabulous. But I want to, to, if you can all, just take a little bit of time to concentrate on what you're hearing. And you said earlier, Rob, that you don't necessarily, can't necessarily identify which bird's making which call. It seriously doesn't matter. The point is, when you start to really listen, you'll be hearing that some are different from others. And some are calling from different places and some have a regular song person and some sort of appear to be on the move. Some call on the wing and some call just from particular song posts. What does call on the wing mean? It means that they, they some things uh, will actually keep doing their song or their call whilst they're flying. So things like the swifts that are going overhead at the moment, they're screeching as they fly. and um, And in listening to it, you think there's a reason for it what's that reason you know who's making that noise and what's that reason well it's a bird it's liable to be territorial or it could be tiny little calls which it's making because it's just keeping in touch with fledglings and you don't have to know it it's just a question of seeking that variety you'll also be thinking about things like listening to insect noise there's so many insects out there at the moment and um you, you hear things like midges and mosquitoes doing that very high-pitched sort of buzz, and then you might get a big old bumblebee or a cockchafer beetle, which is a much different frequency that their wings go at. And I'd like people to really listen to that. Listen to the wind in the trees. Just listen, get your senses really honed on the audio front. Um and it can be man-made stuff, mm. you know. There's, there's, we're all, we're all part of this. And you know, when I hear a plane going, I often, uh, going over, I'd, I'll often look up and just think, who's on board? Where are they going? What, I wonder what they're doing. You know, what are they thinking about? It just fascinates me that it's going on. Do you think? And uh, you know, it's similar with cars, mm. motorbikes, hang gliders. It doesn't matter. It's just whatever takes your attention. So we're going audio this nice. month or this this like week. After it. it, Rob, I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm jealous and of a lot of my friends that live in Brighton, and they, you know, I, I think there's nothing more calming than the sound of the ocean, and yeah. that's yeah up there for me. But mm. no, I'll stick with my log. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's get to the last word for this topic. Then this is the quote that I conjure up or steal, borrow, whatever you want to call it, find on the internet, basically. Um, Relating to the topic, and this is by Henry Miller, who was an American writer. He says, The world is not to be put in order. The world is order. It is for us to put ourselves in unison with this order, which is sort of what we've been talking about today and very much links to connecting to the whole world and celebrating something like the solstice or the equinox because we are aligning ourselves in unison with the world around us. So that is it for our summer solstice episode. Next up, we've got an idea of what we want to do after a few requests from a few of our friends. Rob, why don't you tell us what it is? Yeah, so we're going to do Grow Your Own. So yeah, we've had a number of requests about people wanting to know how to grow veg, how to grow plants. Um, so rather than doing an episode on each, we thought we'd do a grow your own and try and squeeze everything in. Mm. Looking forward to that, Dad. Yeah, it sounds really good to me. I, I have to confess, I, I was at secondary school before I realised that not everyone did grow their own. Um, I, I grew up in a situation where parents and grandparents, you know, grew their own uh, vegetables and quite successfully i mean we weren't totally self-sufficient and uh I, I think it's a hugely satisfying thing to do and it's also very seasonal and uh it sort of it it keeps you in touch with sort of how plants are growing and 
what our relationship is with them yeah and it keeps up that connection that seasonal connection as well that we've been talking about all episode okay yeah gents right we've come to an end Rob say goodbye goodbye father nature himself goodbye goodbye see you soon and uh, enjoy doing your homework do let us know as ever if you've managed to do it send us photos you know where to find us or just let us know how you've enjoyed it and uh, we'll just reiterate if you want to if you're enjoying yourself then please leave us a review as well that's all for now cheers